Welcome to Holly Hills Baptist Church uh, through our video streaming this morning. We do thank you for uh, joining us, and I pray that uh, you'll be patient with us as we learn this new process. It's new for me as well, but um, we're asking God to help us as we try to do these things to be able to communicate to you uh, what the Word of God says still and be a blessing to you, and I hope uh, to be an encouragement along the way. Let's begin in prayer. Father, we do thank you so much uh, that you're a God that loves us, one Lord that you have shown us and demonstrated in so many different ways, the way that you take care of us and the way that you care for us. And I pray that you would allow us, Lord, to be able to understand how great uh, your love is and how wonderful your care is and how that you are in control of all things and you're working all of these things in such a way that you would be able to, to bring us through to the other side better in our walk with you, uh, more pure and with our life with you. And then too, Lord, that uh, you would allow your word to speak to our hearts in such a way this morning that uh, we would be drawn to be more like you. Thank you, Father, for what you will accomplish. We ask your blessing in this service as we join together. In Jesus' name, amen. These are some troubling times in which we face. They're times of uncertainty because there's so much that we do not know. I've uh, never been this way before in traveling, and never have I in the years I've been in ministry ever remember our society being hit with such uh, a turmoil and uncertainty of what the future holds, or the near future at least. And as we look at these things together, I hope that you'll understand that uh, uh, there are some things that we should be thinking about and uh, should be considering, but there are some things that the devil would love to get us uh, in turmoil about and upset about. And I pray that you would not let the devil have his way, but you let God have his way with your life this morning. In these troublesome times, uh, for some people, it is a fearful time uh, that they face, uh, uh, mainly because of the fear of the unknown. Uh, too often, our human response to the things that are going on around us that we're not sure of or we do not know what is going to happen uh, causes us to be a little uh, apprehensive and, and uh, insecure and fearful. And yet God so often in his word tells us that we are not to fear. Uh, fear not is a favorite, favorite uh, uh, statement of the Lord, of his angels, of his workers, and it's accompanied so often by the next phrase that God gives us where he says, therefore, I am with you. Even in the 23rd Psalm there, uh, when we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, David said, for thou art with me. Whatever the troublesome time is that we're facing, whatever the deep waters are that we're walking through, God is faithful to be right there with us. And there is no need then to fear for he is in control of all things. It's also a time that's tempting to be an anxious time for some of us, a time in which we may start to worry, another name or word for being anxious. Um, we know that we as believers should not worry, and Jesus has told us not to take any thought concerning uh, many things in this world, but we're to seek the Lord Jesus Christ first and his righteousness. Paul also told us in Philippians chapter 4 that we're to be uh, careful for nothing, be anxious for nothing, 
but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we're to let our requests be made known unto the Lord. Uh, We're to cast our care upon him, for he cares for us. He cares about us, and he can care for us in our place about the things that we are concerned about. The verses go on to say there, if we do that, if we cast our care upon him, um, then the peace of God that passes all understanding shall be in our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. We have that promise and great encouragement that is there of that peace of God. We were greatly disappointed this past week as we had to cancel out our services there Monday through Wednesday with uh, Evangelist Morris Gleiser. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, Brother Morris uh, had been with us Sunday morning, preached three messages, Sunday school through Sunday night there. Three great messages. We had one salvation uh, that we know of. We have many other decisions that were made and we praise the Lord for. Uh, but also uh, he... Uh, uh, was a great encouragement to me along the way. And as we thought about these things, as we began to meet um, on Monday, I talked with Brother Morris. I, I got in touch with uh, the VAIB and, and looking at what our governor had passed down and our deacons were counseling and, and all of the things that we considered. Uh, Brother Morris also was saying he thought it would be best if we did counsel out there Monday through Wednesday uh, with the things that were so uh, unsure of what was going on. And now here we are, uh, canceled out throughout the re- uh, rest or remainder of this uh, month. Uh, we look to the Lord for guidance with this and we ask him as Solomon did. And I told our deacons, uh, this Thursday night that, um, I've been praying, Lord, give me wisdom to know what to do in guiding your people for all of us belong to the Lord. We are his people and we are the ones that that we want to uh, make sure that we're doing what God wants in God's way. And uh, with this, we look at it not as an attack upon churches uh, per se. It's uh, not that they're just targeting churches or targeting Christians, but even schools and businesses, restaurants, even bars have been asked to shut down and not uh, to meet uh, to try to cut down on the spread of this great virus. Uh, with all of that uh, being done and said, it was our decision to uh, counsel out these services. But uh, Brother Morris uh, preached a good message, I believe, on that Sunday evening where he shared some things with us that I believe that we need to recap a little bit on as we go in as an introduction into my message this morning. He shared with us uh, a title there that I put down, uh, Be Not Troubled, Don't Be Troubled. And it came out of uh, John chapter 14. And if you remember in John chapter 13, Jesus was sharing with his disciples about some uh, truths that he wanted them to understand what was coming there in the near future. He knew that he was going to be crucified. He knew that that these things were coming about. He knew that there were going to be uh, confusion on their part. He knew that there was going to be uh, doubts and, and fears. And so he talked to them about those things. He said that even one of them was going to betray him. And of course, all the disciples began to say, you know, is it I, is it I? And, and, uh, you're all going to be offended because of me, Jesus said. And Peter spoke up right away and said, I'll never be offended because of you. Even I'll die for you. And, and of course, um, Jesus told Peter in advance about his denials that are going to come up 
three times you'll deny me before the rooster crows the next morning. And, and sure enough, um, as, uh, as Jesus continued to speak there, he said, I'm going to be leaving you. And it was like a, uh, um, uh, what, wait, what did you say? Uh, they were hearing it, but they did not understand it. They did not, uh, truly believe it. And, and thought, but you're the Messiah, you're our king, you're the one that's going to, to bring in the kingdom, and how is it going to happen if you leave us? <clears throat> so there were these doubts, these fears, and and they were troubled on every side concerning his statements there. Uh, then he began to give a uh, words of encouragement to them in the next verse, in chapter 14, verse 1. We read those words, let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you. Now listen, he says, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. What a great comfort to them after the word saying, I'm going to be leaving you. And yet Jesus didn't stop there. He went on in later in the chapter there, about the middle part of the chapter, and said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless, but I'm going to send to you a comforter, another comforter. And the word another is another of the same kind. And he would send them the Holy Spirit who would come and dwell within us at salvation. And therefore, the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit's indwelling of us, would be present with us always. Therefore, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Jesus would be right there with us all the way. He also gave them uh, encouragement through his peace. In verse 27, Brother Morris brought out, he said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. This peace that the Lord Jesus was offering unto them was the same peace that we read about there in Philippians that uh, passes all understanding. People just do not understand how we can have the kind of peace that we have going through the difficult times of these troubled times that we face. Yet that is the secret of that relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the fellowship of the Holy Spirit within us and the presence and the comfort of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We have that confidence. We have that peace that he offers to us there. I shared at the end of the message there a reminder of Jesus' words just a little bit later there in chapter 16, verse 33, where he said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. There's that peace again that he's talking about of his. In the world ye shall have tribulation. That tribulation that he's talking about, that trouble there that's in this world, is things like sorrow that, that hit us from time to time, sickness, and nobody loves to uh, to hear those words that you've got cancer, or uh, even as uh, Brother Tom Farrell uh, this past week found out that that has been diagnosed with a brain uh, tumor, and and uh, what a shock that is, especially after him and his family have just gone through all that his wife had to face 
with cancer. But we have here those type of things that hit our way and become uncertain and and fearful times ahead because we don't know what to expect, but we do know that Jesus is right there with us. There are troublesome times also because of situations such as we face today. The uncertainty of what tomorrow brings. How long is it going to continue? How long will our kids be out of school? How long will restaurants be closed? How long will we be uh, stuck at home in many cases? How long will, the, will our finances be suffering? A lot of questions that are out there with people today in the situations we have. There's going to be, Jesus said, trouble in this life. There are going to be situations we face, face and sicknesses and, and uh, uncertainties and sorrow. But notice what he says there, be of good cheer. He says there, take courage, take courage. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world already. The Lord Jesus, all of our troubles and this world, he is victor. He is the one that can lead us through. He is the one that no matter how deep the waters of of trouble may come, has promised they shall not overflow us. We have his promise that he'd be right there with us. Nothing that has happened or will happen has taken God by surprise. There's nothing that has happened that has not happened at his permission. And so we have that confidence. What a timely message our brother Glyser had for this uncertain time, troublesome time that we face. Monday night of the uh, revival services, I had planned to share a testimony through song uh, that I was going to to uh, bring about. It was, it was a song that that I think comes out of or stems out of one of my favorite New Testament verses, and I'll get to that verse here in just a moment. But uh, in that song, the purpose of that song deals with God's. Uh, everyday purpose for all of us as believers. From the time that I trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, or you trusted Christ, until the time that we die or the rapture takes place, God has put into place a procedure, a plan, a goal, if you will, that he has for every one of us as believers. And that goal is seen in a verse in Romans chapter 8, in verse 29. Now, most of us are quite familiar with Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them who love God, to them who are the called according to his, what? His purpose. Every one of us that has received that call and trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, God is working in us through everything that comes into our world, into our lives, He's working it for our good to accomplish a purpose that he has. What is that purpose? The next verse, verse 29, outlines it for us, gives it very clear. For whom he did foreknow, that is who God knew in advance would get saved, uh, he did also predestinate. The word predestinate simply means a predetermined purpose. He has set upon us as believers, every one of us, a predetermined purpose uh, that he has or a goal that he has for every one of us as believers. And that purpose is to be conformed to the image of his son. We are to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. 
Paul went on a little bit later to say in chapter 12 of Romans that we're not to be conformed to this world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Now, we've studied that before and understand that that renewing process of our mind comes as we get into the Word of God and let the Word of God change us from the inside out. And that makes a transforming uh, change in our life. And old things are beginning to pass away. And behold, all things are starting to become new in that process since the day that he made us a new creature, a new creation in Christ Jesus at salvation. So that process that takes place we call sanctification. God working in us to change us to be more like his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That favorite New Testament passage uh, that I like, um, one of my favorites, uh, is in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, in which I, I believe the song that I was going to sing, uh, it kind of speaks of and is really born out of, and that is in verse 18, where it says, But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass. Now, with an open face, the words there, if you're in the context especially, talk about an unveiled face, a face that is where we have clear sight to see what the mirror of God's word is. And that's what that glass, looking in a glass, is speaking about. We are to look clearly and closely at what the word of God has to say. And what do we look at? It says, as we behold in the glass, the glory of the Lord. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ him said uh, to those he was speaking to, uh, you think you have eternal life, uh, says, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life, for they are they that testify of me. Now, Jesus was talking about the Old Testament scriptures. They are the only ones that were around at his, at his time. The New Testament had not been written yet. That was to come a few years later. But he said there that the Old Testament scriptures were written about him. And we remember, and I remind you about the day of resurrection, when the Lord Jesus Christ appeared to two men walking on the road to Emmaus, and Jesus supernaturally veiled himself where they would not recognize him and began to speak to them about things that had happened. And, and all of a sudden, he began to speak to them the things uh, from Moses and the prophets that had been written concerning himself, uh, concerning the Messiah. And then afterwards, there shortly, he unveiled himself supernaturally. They recognized who he was, and uh, then he disappeared out of their sights. And remember those words that they spoke? Did not our hearts burn within us as he spoke unto us those words? What a message that would have been to hear the Lord Jesus Christ himself take the Old Testament scriptures and show us exactly what it had to say about him. I would have loved to set in on that message. Did not our hearts burn? Didn't he send a fire within us, stir a fire within us? Folks, that's what revival is all about, is stirring up the fire that God has placed within us. And um, they went back and, of course, reported of all of these things there to them. We have here in this verse, as it goes on to say, uh, we look there at the glory of the Lord in the scriptures, and we're changed into the same image, the image of the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ. So 
When we look into scripture, we're to find out what does it say about our Lord? What does it say about who he is like? What he is like? What does he love? What pleases him? As we learn these things and what he was like, then the Holy Spirit of God can take that information and he can bring about that change in us as we submit to the Holy Spirit's working in that process. So it says there that we're changed into the same image from glory to glory, from one stage to the next, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Holy Spirit of God takes the Word of God and shows us the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, and we're changed into the same image from one stage to the next. What a glorious process. And as I said earlier, that process begins the day you're saved, and it continues until the day you die or until the rapture takes place. God is working on us in his everyday purpose for all of us believers to change us into the image of Jesus Christ. Now, that song that I was going to sing, I'd like to share a little bit about it, uh, of what it had to, in message-wise. In the song, and I wrote, rewrote uh, some of the words uh, for the chorus part that we'll get to in a moment, But what a great message, I believe, that this song had for us for revival theme and for its purpose. The first uh, couple of lines here, the first verse, says there that, Lord, the light of your love is shining in the midst of the darkness shining. Now, it gives us there the Lord, his light is shining. Jesus is the light of the world. We understand that. But it also speaks of light and it speaks of darkness. In scripture, light has to do with, with the absence of sin and darkness with the presence of sin. Uh, we live in a world of darkness and Satan wants to keep us, our minds darkened. And, uh, we need the glorious light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the understanding of who he is, what he has done for us to shine through. And that's what that message is speaking about there. We're told over in 1 John chapter 1, in 1 John 1, it speaks about God uh, as light there in the end of verse 5 where it says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Uh, In God, there is no sin, no darkness, only the absence of sin. And as we read there in verse 6, it says, if we say that we have fellowship with him, and walk in darkness, walk in sin, we lie and do not the truth. You see, when sin comes into a believer's life, it separates us from our walk with the Lord, our fellowship with him. And so for us to know that there is some sin in our life that we have not dealt with properly, as God instructs, if we know that that sin is there, then God says we are out of fellowship with him. We are separated in our fellowship from him, even to the point that he is not obligated to hear and answer any of our prayers. What a sad condition that is. And yet there are some believers that walk around every week with known sin in their life that they know that they have not dealt with. And maybe even to the point because it's hard to deal with it, or maybe they're not ready to give up in their stubbornness, whatever the case may be. They've taken that sin and they've kind of put it aside in a one compartment uh, uh, there of their life, and they don't think about it too much more. Well, God sometimes brings that sin back to our mind and and has us to think about it and 
We know that we need to deal with it. We know we need not to be separated in our fellowship with the Lord. We cannot think and we cannot say I'm in fellowship with God when we know that there's sin there that we have not dealt with. But in verse 7 it says, But if we walk in light, the absence of sin there, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, with God and each other. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So if I do not have any sin, in other words, if I've dealt with a sin that I know of in my life, the way that God says, then uh, there is no sin that I'm aware of, and I can have fellowship. The, the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed me from that sin in my life, past and present, that I know of. Uh, and also, the word cleanses there is in the present tense. It keeps on cleansing me. And that's a great promise that God has given us as well. We praise the Lord for that truth. Verse 8, notice what it says there in 1 John 1. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. In other words, if I say I don't have any present sin, I go through every day and say, no, don't have any sin today. I think I'm fine. Then I'm deceiving myself. You know, I have not met a Christian that does not have to deal with sin in their life every day. I don't know about you, but I know in my life, I sin every day. There are things in my life that God is working on hard. There are things in my life I may not have the same struggle as you, but I have struggles with temptation. I have struggles with my flesh, just like anybody else does as a believer. And with that, there are going to be failures sometimes, times in which we fall and And we need to immediately, as we recognize that, repent of that sin and confess it unto the Lord there, as we'll see. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But he gives us then in verse 9 how to deal with it. Before we get there, I think this is important to understand. Because sometimes we may not look at our lives and understand the sin that we have or recognize it because we have pushed it aside so much and our conscience has become somewhat seared because of it, we need to ask God to reveal to us what sin that may need to be dealt with. King David wrote there in Psalm 139 and um, in verse uh, um, 23 and 24, he said, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me. Now, King David, and you know as well, God doesn't have to search in order to understand himself. He already knows everything. He already knows what sin is in my life. He already knows what my heart is. And so what David was saying there is, search me, O God, and know my heart and try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any wicked way in me so that you can reveal to me where I have fallen and failed. It is our desire, and we need to pray, Lord, show me my sin. Help me to see where I have failed you. Help me to see the things in my life. 
whether it's things of lying or lust, whether it's things of, of, uh, of, of uh, uh, covetousness or whatever the case may be, maybe it's things that we are supposed to do that we neglect to do and reading God's word the way that we should properly or, or praying and having a prayer life with the Lord for more things than just, Lord, help me out of this situation or bless this food to our bodies. We need to be uh, praying unto the Lord. We need to be witnessing and sharing God's truth with others. These are things that sometimes we fail to recognize that when we don't do those things, that also grieves the heart of God and his sin. And so we say, and we should pray, Lord, reveal to me my sin. And then it goes on to say, and lead me in the way everlasting. His everlasting way is a way in which he has given us a, a peace and fellowship with him. And the only way to, to maintain that is through confession of our sin. And that's what he says there in 1 John 1, 9, after he says that we should be revealed of our sin and know what it is there and not try to deceive ourselves saying we don't have any. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That all unrighteousness is even things that the best of our knowledge that we haven't even come across to understand that we may have sin in those areas. But if we're faithful to repent, honestly turn from the sin that we have already committed and confess that, to admit to God, to say the same thing about the sin as what God says about it and ask his forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive and he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The next two lines there, that first verse says, Jesus Light of the world, shine upon us. Uh, Set us free by the truth you now bring us. Set us free by the truth you now bring us. This song, I believe, written right before what should be a message brought of the truth of God's word to us. That word truth is a questionable thing in this world in which we live. I want to bring your attention to what Jesus said Back over in John, in chapter 18. In John chapter 18, you remember how the Lord Jesus Christ stood there uh, uh, at the trial before he was crucified. And uh, in the trial there with Pilate, um, Pilate said in verse 37, uh, said unto Jesus there, Art thou a king then? Are you a king? And Jesus said, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world. I'm going to stop right there because there's a truth and there's also a misunderstanding as some people look at that verse. The first of all, the truth is Jesus Christ is a king. In Isaiah, we're told that he would, uh, Messiah would be born as a king. He would rule on David's uh, throne uh, in his kingdom there forever. We have that understanding, and when he was born, God sent the wise men uh, searching for him there following the star. And when they came, they said, where is he that is born king of the Jews? It is true and certain that Jesus is the king of kings and lord of lords. And one day he shall reign in that kingdom, that millennial kingdom, as king in this world. But when he says here, thou sayest that I am a king, if you'll notice in your Bible, There in John 18 and verse 37, there's a period after the word king. And then the next sentence 
Jesus says, To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Period. Now you say that I'm a king, but this is the cause, this is the purpose that I came into this world, and that purpose was to bear witness to the truth. Jesus had already made it clear in John chapter 17 what that truth was. In verse 17 of John 17, Jesus said there, sanctify them, those believers, those that are following us, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. You see, Jesus made it clear that those of us that trust the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're saved, we're made a new creature in Christ Jesus. He begins that process of sanctification to work on us that we've been talking about. And he says, sanctify them. Work that process of changing them, transforming them into the image of of Jesus there. He says, do that through your truth and your word is that truth. Many people today ask the question and and even make the statement, there is no absolute truth. And they say, well, you have your truth. I have my truth. Uh, Who's to say your truth is any more truthful than my truth? Well, the truth is (laughs) uh, what they're truly saying is that you have your opinion of truth. I have my opinion of truth. And let me tell you something. I don't know, well, I do know about your opinion. I know about my opinion. Neither one of them is worth a cent if they're not tied to the truth of God's word. See, God is the only one that has the truth. He is the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. We have the living word of God is the truth, and we have the written word of God is the truth. And that truth is what we have as our authoritative instructions and guidelines of what God wants to do in our lives. So praise the Lord for that truth that is there and that truth set us free by the truth you now bring us. Then we come into the second verse and it says, Lord, I come to your awesome presence. When we come into the presence of the Lord, we can do it in a couple of ways. One, we've already seen, excuse me, that we can come into God's word. We can search in the scriptures because it's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. We're coming and we're seeing the glory of the Lord. We're coming in his presence through his word and we can be changed. But there's also another way that we can come into to that his presence. It goes on to say in that verse there, from the shadows into your radiance there, your glorified self, as we've seen. By the blood, I may enter your brightness. <coughs> Excuse me. We may enter the brightness of the presence of God through uh, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that's speaking of what the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 19 having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiness, holiest by the blood of Jesus. We can enter into the very presence of God in the holy of holies in heaven 
because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that's made it possible. We have access to the presence of God. And then the last part of that uh, second verse, search me and try me, consume all my darkness, all my sin. We spoke about that. Lord, lead me to deal with my sin properly. In the third verse, it mentions, as we gaze on your kingly brightness, as we're looking there at the glory of the Lord in the word of God, so our faces display your likeness. And we're changed to the same image. We represent, we reveal what Jesus Christ is all about. Uh, ever-changing from glory to glory. That's right out of the Second Corinthians 3.18. Mirrored here, may our lives tell the story. May we demonstrate the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives as we get into the Word of God and see what He's like and are changed into the same image. The chorus goes on next. I believe it kind of puts everything together. And here's where I changed a few of the words that I felt like would be more appropriate for revival and and the stirring of the fires of our heart uh, together. Uh, Read here, it says, Shine, Jesus, shine. Fill our eyes with your awesome glory. Reveal yourself through your word. Blaze, spirit blaze, set our hearts on fire. And we need that fire from the Lord. Not only that, work in our hearts. Stir that flame that you've set within us. Send forth your word, Lord, and let there be light. Stir that flame of revival in us. Stir up the coals of that flame so that I am on fire for the Lord and you are on fire for the Lord. That should be our heart desire when it comes to revival. And it says there that we're to send forth his word. He is to send forth his word. And he does that through us. In 2 Corinthians, again, there, uh, another passage that is really my New Testament favorite chapter is 2 Corinthians chapter 5. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's full of great truth. One of them is found in verse 18, where God says here through the Apostle Paul, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us unto himself by Jesus Christ. Now the word reconciled simply means uh, to be brought back into a right standing with God. And that's what he did at Calvary when he paid for my sin and for yours. And when we trust the Lord Jesus Christ, no longer are we strangers and aliens uh, from God, separated because of our sin as lost folks, but we are then brought into the family of God and made a child of his, and we're reconciled, we're brought back into a right standing with the Lord. And we, it goes on to say, uh, and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. He has extended, God has extended unto us the job, the responsibility to give the information of the gospel to other people so that they too could be reconciled to God. Therefore, he says in verse 20, now, then ye are, we are ambassadors of Christ. We are representatives of him. And that's truly our responsibility as believers. So send forth your word and let there be light. The way to open up the eyes of understanding 
illumine people with the light of Jesus Christ is to illumine them with the light of the word of God that opens their hearts, that draws them into the Savior, and then shows them how they too can have a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. What a great song with a message there. What a great message of God's word that he gives to us. These are troubling times in which we face, but they don't have to be times of worry or fear. Our God is still sovereign. He's still on the throne. There's nothing that is taken him by surprise. Everything that has happened has happened at his permission. When we think about that and we think about the things that we are facing and the uncertainties of how long and and what it may turn to be, will I get sick and, and different things of that nature, we need to be reminded that God in this and through this is working in us. And he wants to do that job of change. That first change comes when a person realizes that they are a sinner and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. None of us have met it. And because of that, and the wages of sin is our death, not just physical, but spiritual death. The good news of the gospel is Jesus Christ came into this world and died on that cross to pay for my sin penalty and for yours. When he died there, he said, it is finished. Everything that was necessary to pay for my sin and yours was taken care of there on Calvary. When we may come to that realization and make the choice to receive Jesus Christ as our Savior, that's when salvation takes place. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. I hope today you have received that gift already. But if not, I invite you to do so right now. You can pray this prayer. And the prayer is not what saves you, but it's just communicating your heart of what you're thinking and your desire is before the Lord. Lord, I realize that I am a sinner, that I am separated from you. I understand that Jesus Christ died on Calvary to pay my sin penalty. And right now, by faith, I choose to receive what he did as my payment of sin. Thank you for saving me. If you just prayed that prayer, if that was your desire this morning, I pray that you would understand that God has loved you, God has provided for you, and God has saved you from the penalty of your sin. He wants to begin that process now of working in your life to change you into the image of Jesus Christ. Get in his word and let him do that. For those of you that have already trusted Christ, which is the majority of us, I believe, out here today, because you have been following in our church, you've learned and you have trusted the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to make sure that we are allowing God to continue to work on us. Don't allow the things of this world to captivate you to the point that you are neglecting the time that we have before God and his word. It is during these times that God really may be setting us down and setting us aside and saying, look, I'm going to give you a little more time since you have been so pressed. I want you to spend time with me. I want you to see Jesus Christ in the scriptures. And I want you to surrender yourself to be what I want you to be. We do that this morning. Will you let 
God have his way in your life, in your heart. I pray that that is your response. And I pray that this morning has been a blessing to you as well. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for each one of our folks that have tuned in today. And I pray that you would allow these words of encouragement and direction to help us in our thoughts of stepping forward. There's so many things that we don't understand and we don't know what to expect. But Father, we know what to expect from you. Help us to be trusting you and not leaning on our own understanding. And we'll give you the glory and the praise. Amen. Thank you for joining us. Y'all have a great day.